it's good to be with you all um, again uh, this afternoon or whatever time it is uh, in your several locations. And I, I echo everything you said, brother, about the need for prayer. And, um, you know, so often I think of these words, you have not because you ask not. And uh, so this this is a, an encouragement to me to see you all there, to see you all here and uh, do pray the Lord's blessing upon your, your uh, praying together. Well, I wanted to read the the last few verses of the well-known chapter, Isaiah 40, from verse 28 to the end. Uh, Isaiah 40, from verse 28 to the end. If we had time, we could read the whole chapter, but um chapter that uh, always keeps giving, and a chapter that it's good for us to go often to. Um, but let's read from verse 28. Hast thou not known? Hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might he increaseth strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary. And the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. So this is uh, these last words are are words that are well known to us all. And they're very precious words, a very precious promise here in a very precious chapter uh, that begins with the Lord calling upon uh, the prophet to comfort his people. Comfort ye, comfort ye my people, saith your God. And how, how often that's true, isn't it? That God God wants his people, he wants his word to speak into the lives and the situation, into the fears and the worries and the questions that his people have. But certainly the the burden of the chapter uh, and the burden and our great need also is that we would behold our God again. That's what the Lord is saying in verse 9. Say unto the cities of Judah, behold your God. That is always our greatest need. Uh, if you would look at verse 27, you find the people of Judah here, they're they're asking the question, where is the Lord? You know, Why sayest thou, O Jacob, and speakest to Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my judgment is passed over from my God? It's as though they're saying the Lord has abandoned us, he's given up on us, he doesn't see or he he doesn't care. And and I suppose at a human level, we, we can understand this. Um, we, we might say, I can see why God would give up on me. I can see why God would give up on, on our churches and our prayerlessness in general. There's many reasons from our side why the Lord would give up on us. But but that's that is thinking on uh, thinking of God in human terms. Luther said to Erasmus, your thoughts of God are too human. 
And I, and I think that is, we, we can all testify that that so often is our problem to our thoughts of God or to human God. This chapter is saying it is not like us. He does not grow weary with his people. He, he does not faint. And so, again, we, we need to behold our God. Isaiah does that by uh, this relentless series of questions that he gives to us, you know, who has measured the the oceans he asks in verse 12 in the hollow of his hand um who who has weighed the mountains in his scales who whoever taught him whoever advised him who needed to give him counsel verse 15 these these uh, nations that seem so big and threatening to you these world powers that are so intimidating and seem so out of control to you. Do you know how God sees them? They're like the drop of a bucket. They're like the small dust of the balance, the dust that doesn't factor on the scale. That all brings us to verse 18, to that great question, to whom then will you liken God? Or what likeness will you compare uh, to him? God is not like us. We need to stop thinking of God in human terms. We have limits. God does not. Uh, We are weak, but God is not. We lack understanding, but God does not. And so Isaiah piles up in verse 28 these attributes of, of our God. Hast thou not known? Hast thou not heard? And then he brings before us the fact that God is eternal the everlasting God. God God never says time is not on my side. God is never pressed to make a decision or an action. He is the eternal God. He's the faithful God. He's the Lord, the covenant name of Jehovah. He's the sovereign. He's the creator, not just of our town or city or country. He's the creator of the ends of the earth. Uh, and he has limitless power. He fainteth not, neither is weary. He has perfect knowledge. There is no searching of his understanding. Someone said God is the only untaught mind. He never learns anything. He doesn't need to. He knows everything. So as Hudson Hudson Taylor said, it's not so much great faith we need as faith in a great God. But one of the things that impresses me about this chapter is that in this context where you have the majestic, awesome, big God, you you have also the fact from beginning to end that this is the God who cares for his people. Verse 1 begins, comfort ye, comfort ye, my people. In verse 11, the God who looks at the nations and considers them to be the the small dust of the balance is able to to also be the God who feeds his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs with his arm, the the finger that could crush the nations. Uh, And yet here with a strong arm, he can gather the lambs uh, and hold them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. So back to the questions. What's the reason for all your questioning, all your doubt? What possible reason could there be? Have you not heard who this God is? Do you not know who this God is? Has nobody told you who this God is? 
but that's not actually our problem, is it? The, pr the problem is we need to hear again. We need to relearn what we already know to be true. I'll just take a minute here to look at that last verse, verse 31, this promise, this great promise that the Lord gives to us. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Well, you all know from your presence here, no doubt, that to wait upon the Lord is a very active thing. Um, it's, it's, an, it's an eager thing. It's a, a looking to God with expectation. Remember Psalm 130, more than they that for morning watch, my soul waits for the Lord. You know morning's coming, but you're watching for it eagerly, expectantly, longingly, patiently. Uh, and the same, the same in prayer. We we have that eager expectation in prayer. Owen said, "A man that looks for nothing from God had best never pray any more." In prayer, we are to exercise this grace of waiting upon the Lord. Those who do so, the Lord says, shall renew their strength. It has the idea of putting on new strength, exchanging the old. And putting on the new. Now, God's people so often, and no doubt you feel this often too, we feel our own weakness. You, you can go through you know, the, the great men of, and, of the Bible, the strong men, the Elijahs and the Samsons and the Peters, and they'd been strong. They fought the Lord's battles, but you find them all weak. You know, Samson in the prison, Elijah wishing to, to die. And yet, isn't it true that Samson was never stronger than when he was in the prison, when he began to wait upon the Lord and his hair grew again? They will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings as the eagle. You look at the eagle, it's, it's, it's effortless the way it flies. But I think it also gives us the, the, the idea of the perspective we get when we wait upon the Lord. We, we start to see things from God's perspective, the perspective of heaven. The big things suddenly appear as they really are, small. The great men, grasshoppers. The nations, the drop of a bucket. And faith, when it waits on the Lord, begins to, to see the unseen. What, what a vision faith has. Things that are above where Christ sits. It sees God. It sees the riches of the covenant of grace. It sees the end of the wicked sees the glory of heaven. That's the true perspective. They will mount up with wings as the eagle. They shall run and not be weary. Those of you who have run before, you, you, know, that, you know what it is to get weary. Um, we get lactic acid in our bodies. We get fatigue. Uh, and running can be dangerous depending on the, the terrain. Uh, and there are so many things in our lives, so many circumstances that would make us weary. The lack of resources make us weary. But here the Lord's saying, they shall run. This is the result of the renewed strength. They shall run with the perspective they now have. They will run in the way of God's commandments. And they won't be weary. Well, they still have to live on this earth. They often feel weary. But the point is, the resources won't fail. Then it says, they will walk and not faint. They will walk. I think there's a, the idea of steadiness here. There's almost a... a a surprising slowing down in this verse, isn't there? We begin with mounting up with the 
eagle's wings then we run and then we walk it's as though there's a slowing down but perhaps that mirrors the the experience of god's people you know you, you can begin fast but you fall over quicker but as we go on and we seem to slow down there can be a steadiness and then we're told and they shall not faint and again that that tells us all god's people will make it to heaven so I, uh, I hope this is an encouragement to you, both in beholding your God in prayer and also recognizing these big things that seem so intimidating to us. And with the perspective of heaven, um, we, you know, we, we will overleap a wall. So may the Lord bless you all in your, in your prayer time together.